Well, I got a question for you. Do you jump out of bed in the morning and say, ooh, it's a beautiful day in paradise? I mean, is that how you start your day? See, if the weather and your circumstances have to be perfect for you to be happy, you're always going to be vulnerable. And let's adopt Mr. Rogers' motto. What's essential is invisible to the eye. We're going to talk about that. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I'm going to do something a little different today. Actually, I'm going to start doing something a little bit different regularly in that I'm going to be devoting some podcasts to just like one simple thought or principle. Sometimes I feel like I shove them in just in passing, and then I think, oh, my, I would have liked to park on that for a while. So I'm going to be adding in a new podcast, going to continue answering your questions, as I love to do. I've done for many, many years now. I continue sending those in, but I'm going to add a piece I'm going to do probably releasing on Monday mornings. Not sure what I'm going to call it yet, something like Wisdom of the Sages, Probably new music to go with that. I mean, if you've got a great idea about a name, I'd love to have you shoot it over to me. Just send it into 48days.com slash askdan like you do your questions. But here's some of the things that I'm going to be looking at. Like I plan to take one idea from history, like Zig Ziglar's story of the pump or how the story he tells about his neighbor lady's biscuits got cooked in the squat or the story of Jim Carrey writing himself a check for $10 million, dating it for five years later, and then seeing it come true that he could actually cash that check five years later, having starred Ace Ventura and some other things. Or Jack Canfield's story about attending a come-as-you'll-be party. Different twist, not come-as-you-are, come-as-you'll-be, and how that set in motion the things he was able to accomplish. I've actually done that twice now with my mastermind in five-year periods, come as you'll be five years from now. It's been phenomenal, the things that people set in motion. So I'll take things like why the author of Good to Great, Jim Collins, has a stop doing list instead of a to-do list. I mean, how Chicken Soup for the Soul was rejected by 144 publishers. And now Chicken Soup for the Soul Books have been translated into 43 languages, have been published in over 100 countries, and have sold more than 500 million copies worldwide. I mean, think about that. 500 million copies. Publishers would you know, walk through you know, deep oceans to get a book that's going to sell a million. This has sold 500 millions, and it was rejected by 144 publishers. You know, stories about like uh, Monty Roberts, who's now called the Horse Whisperer. When he was in high school, his teacher gave the class the assignment of writing about what they wanted to do when they grew up. Monty wrote that he wanted to own a ranch and raise thoroughbred horses. His teacher gave him an F and explained that the dream was unrealistic for a boy living in a camper in the back of a pickup truck. He'd never be able to make this reality. When he offered Monty the chance to rewrite his paper for a higher grade, Money told him, you keep your F, I'm keeping my dream. Well, today he's got a 154-acre ranch known all over the world, 
wealthy because of what he did. Well, those kind of stories, those kind of stories. I mean, why I choose to call myself an inverse paranoid and why I recommend you do the same. I'll include some stories about the odd habits that some very famous people had. I mean, Beethoven rose at dawn every morning. His breakfast was coffee. He determined there should be 60 beans per cup, and he counted them out himself. So it was always precise. Then he sat at his desk and worked till exactly two o'clock. Um, Sigmund Freud rose every morning at seven o'clock, ate breakfast, had his beard trimmed by a barber who made a daily house call for this purpose. His wife, Martha, laid out his clothes, chose his handkerchiefs, and even put toothpaste on his toothbrush. Ernest Hemingway wrote standing up, facing a chest high bookshelf with a typewriter on top. His first drafts were always composed in pencil. Jonathan Edwards spent 13 hours a day in his study, beginning at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Igor Stravinsky always closed the windows of his studio before he began composing. He was convinced he could not compose unless no one could hear him. He didn't want anybody to hear those original compositions. Um, Nikola Tesla for which we now have the Tesla company named after him. He was an inventor. He'd take a break from his intense work schedule every night at 8 o'clock to have dinner at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. He would phone in instructions in advance. Upon arriving, he would be shown to his regular table where 18 napkins would be stacked at his place. As he waited for his meal, he would polish the already gleaming silver and crystal with these napkins. Albert Einstein wore his hair long to avoid wasted time at the barber, and he never wore socks or suspenders, which he considered unnecessary. Charles Schultz drew every one of his 17,897 Peanuts comic strips totally by himself over nearly 50 years. At 8.20, he drove his kids to school. Then he returned to his drawing board. He stayed in his studio for lunch at 12 o'clock, Always was a ham sandwich and a glass of milk, and then continued work until exactly four o'clock. Well, just th- those are some of the kind of things I mean that I want to just unpack and learn from those timeless principles, even if it's odd habits that people had, but just learn from history. There's so much there. I consider so much the value of what helps me today to have been drawn, you know, from books that I've read, and in there, there's just a wealth of great principles can help us move forward. Now, I've got a book coming out. It's not out yet. It's as I speak. It is theoretically, literally a slow boat from China. It's being shipped from China as we speak. It's called An Understanding Heart. It's a compilation of short stories. I'm going to use one of those today, just as an example here. I'll be using some of those as well. And this one I title, It's a Beautiful Day in, in Paradise. So I'm going to go back to that thing I talked about, Mr. Rogers, but it's a beautiful day in paradise. And here's a quotation. This is actually kind of a theme verse for me this year because there's one phrase in here that I love so much. This comes from Ephesians 1.18, where it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
But I love that phrase. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I mean, that's, boy, that's my prayer for you, the listener, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What a rich, full phrase that is. So we're going to go, we're going to go with that. Well, hey, before I get started here, I want to just crank this up to squeeze this in because once I get going, I'm not going to have time for this probably when I tell this short story and wrap it up for today. But that music does just remind me and you, these are real questions typically that I'm answering here. If you've got ideas for this new series that I want to do, just great thoughts from history that you think would be fun to expand on, I'd be open to that as well. So just go to 48days.com slash askdan and shoot those in as usual. So it's a beautiful day in paradise. So here's a story. Now, it was written some time ago. We've moved since then, so you'll hear some things in here that aren't exactly my life today. But this is one of the stories in my new book, An Understanding Heart. Thursday afternoon, Joanne and I had a flight from Nashville to Denver. That morning, the temperature had dropped over 20 degrees. There was a light rain. It was overcast, and the sun was not shining. At the airport, I heard a lot of gloomy comments. The food is too expensive here. This is ridiculous. Why do people wear cologne when they travel? It makes me sick. Why are these headrests so big? It forces my head too far forward. It'd sure be nice if the sun was shining. Well, as a child growing up in Pennsylvania, Fred Rogers, who was Mr. Rogers, had been a victim of vicious bullying in his neighborhood. Kids picked on him because he was skinny and sensitive about it. It was a horrible experience, but also his motivation for his formative work in showing a neighborhood where kids were kind and considerate. I began a lifelong search for what is essential, he said about his childhood. What is it about my neighbor that doesn't meet the eye? He framed one of his favorite Latin quotations and had it on the wall of his working studio. And the Latin translated means, what's essential is invisible to the eye. Appearances are often misleading. First impressions are often incorrect. We can be upset and disturbed by what we initially see. Based on that first inaccurate information, we can rush to a bad decision, be upset or even frightened. We may miss a new opportunity or an amazing experience when we don't slow down and see what's invisible to the eye. So Joanne and I took off on that flight in those miserable conditions. But a funny thing happened as a pilot directed us up into that rain and darkness. About two minutes after takeoff and about 10,000 feet altitude, the sun broke through, not a cloud in sight, except underneath us. The sky was clear, our vision was unrestricted, and there was a noticeable uplift in the mood of the passengers. The sun was back out, but we know better. The sun was shining all the time. Our ability to see it was restricted by the sun But the sun was doing exactly what it does every day. Our world is full of examples like this. To see through the murkiness of our current situation, we need to slow down, let things settle, and be patient. If we can be patient with the initial appearances, the truth may appear in a brilliant form. Mr. Rogers had countless episodes where he would sit down with kids and gently talk through a tough issue, whether it was self-worth, bullying, divorce, or how to ride a bicycle, he would walk those young viewers through new ways to see past those first impressions. 
He reassured those little tykes. They could figure out just about anything if they slowed down, took the time to consider multiple outcomes, and worked through it together. I need that reminder, even though I'm no longer a little kid, and I suspect you do as well. Whether it's a challenging client or customer, an impossible deadline, or the apparent roadblocks to a desired move to a new location, I have the choice to slow down and see through the overcast that seems to be blocking my way. You know, I'm reminded of Stephen Covey in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Talked about the idea that he says, I carry my sunshine inside me. Not dependent on what's outside. I carry my sunshine inside me. Mr. Rogers had another wonderful principle he shared that's worth remembering today. He said, always look for the helpers. He'd tell those little boys and girls who were frightened and discouraged. There's always someone who is trying to help. The world is full of doctors and nurses, police and firemen, volunteers, neighbors and friends who are ready to jump in to help when things go wrong. Hey, give me another morning in Mr. Rogers' living room. I can use the reminder that the sun really is shining. There are other people eager to help. And whatever my eyes are telling me right now may just be a thin cloud over the wonderful reality on the other side. Well, there's another quotation that says, and now here is my secret, a very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. So, what are the circumstances that are blocking what's essential for you today? What do you need to see differently? What's invisible to the eye that could change how you're viewing your current situation? Well, hey, we're going to wrap it up with that for today. As I say, this is probably an example of what's to come. Um, again, I, I really wouldn't love to have your suggestions for what we might call this new kind of segment and just looking at these ideas, thoughts, principles where we can just unpack those, have a short kind of uplift for the day and go on. Those have worked for me very well over many, many years. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your suggestions, your questions for being open to growing, being a powerful force for making the world a better place. And uh, I'd love for you to share this episode with three or four of your friends, somebody who needs a little uplift and how they view the world, how they see it. They'll thank you for it. Become known as a person who's offering positivity, hope, and encouragement to others. They'll thank you for that. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.